Hey everybody, this episode marks the one year anniversary for Knowing My Nightmares. I want to thank everyone for supporting the podcast over the last year. I started this podcast to share my personal horror stories, and I hope my nightmares are giving you nightmares. Here is the one year anniversary Halloween episode, and remember, if things get too scary, you can always wake up. Our parents teach us at a very young age not to talk to strangers, not to go with anyone we are unfamiliar with, and everyone knows don't take candy from a stranger, except for one day of the year. Halloween is a joyous time, it's my favorite time of the year, and though there are dark creatures walking around, it's rare that anything dangerous actually happens. In your dreams, you are haunted by vampires, demons, and monsters, but on Halloween, our nightmares come to life. But instead of fearing the dark, we celebrate it. We all remember our adventures trick-or-treating, and each of us know a house we thought was actually haunted. The house that we didn't go near and scared us all year round, unaware of who lives there. A witch? Ghosts? Or something else? I'm Charlie Conlon. It's the Halloween season, and this is the nightmare I had last night. When I awoke inside my nightmare, I was a child getting ready for Halloween night. I looked at myself in the mirror as I wrapped purple cloth around my head with two holes cut out for my eyes. The homemade shell attached to a backpack was heavy but looked great. Donatello was always my favorite Ninja Turtle, and I looked just like him. I really nailed my costume this year. After putting some finishing touches to my bow staff, which was just a wooden broom pole wrapped in purple hockey tape, I grabbed my Halloween bag and headed out the door. I was to meet my friend Daniel to go trick-or-treating. Make sure you go straight to Daniel's, my mom said. I know. Charlie, I'm serious. Straight there. Kids have been going missing. Yeah, yeah. Just be careful. I will. I knew I'd be safe. I had my trusty Swiss army knife with me, and if a kidnapper tried to get me, I'd slice them up just like the Ninja Turtles. Over the horizon, the crimson sun set on this cold Halloween night. People had already begun trick-or-treating throughout the neighborhood. I didn't stop at any houses. Being loyal to my mom, I headed straight for Daniel's house. Plus, it wouldn't be fair if I started without him. The wind was brisk against my exposed arms, but my Ninja Turtles costume made it worth it. I can tough it out for one night. A darkness spread throughout the neighborhood this year. An unusual number of kids had been going missing lately, and it's got everyone nervous, including my mom. Parents out with their kids held their hands and stuck close, 
As I waited to cross the street, missing posters attached to lampposts and walls blew in the wind. There are more today than there were yesterday. I arrived at Daniel's. His house had five well-crafted pumpkins with interesting designs on the porch, along with some Halloween decorations. I knocked on his door. Whoa, nice costume. Daniel was dressed as the Blue Ninja Turtle, Leonardo, matching with me. Oh, damn, you look cool. You look awesome, too. Daniel grabbed his two plastic swords and his candy bag. Then we were off into the night to collect our bounty of sweet treats. The spirit of Halloween was running strong through the neighborhood. Kids dressed in all sorts of interesting costumes. Someone was dressed as Judge Dredd. Another kid was dressed as Yoda. A group of kids were dressed as the Ghostbusters. And I even saw two girls dressed as the Grady Twins from The Shining. Houses were fully decked out in elaborate Halloween decorations. Scary, haunting, and disturbing. Daniel and I hit up every single house for candy and at times dodging decorations that grabbed out to get us. A group of people were watching Evil Dead projected on a front lawn of a house. Yes, Halloween was coursing through everyone's veins tonight. This is truly the best time of year. It was getting late. Most people had retired back to their homes to feast on their candy, but Daniel and I were determined to get to every house and collect our prize. We came to a mansion made of large stone, tucked away in the corner of the street, behind barren birch trees. The front of the house and the porch were covered in decorative spider webs. None of the lights were on except for a dim bulb above the door. This house isn't giving out candy. There's decorations, and the porch light is on. Well, I'm not going up there. A witch lives there. Says who? Everyone knows a witch lives at this house. You're crazy. I'm going up. I marched up the steps and onto the porch which resembled a cave. The decorative spider webs looked different up close, different from what you'd find in a store. They looked homemade, like wet yarn, and they stunk like musty clothing. At the back of the porch was a wooden stool with a plastic cauldron sitting on top. Ha! <laughs> there is candy up here. Knock yourself out, I'm still not going near that house. The light on the porch barely reached the back, where the candy cauldron sat atop the stool. I reached my hand in, but there was no candy. I felt around and grabbed something fuzzy and pulled it out. I was holding a spider. It scurried across my hand and bit my palm. I threw it to the ground and stomped on it. I turned to leave, but walked into some of the spider webs strewn across the rock wall of the porch. I pulled my arm from the web, but it was stuck. Like, really stuck. I grabbed the web to pull it off, but my hand was now stuck. <laughs> The webbing was coated in a thick layer of wet glue or wax. It smelled horrible. What's wrong? I'm stuck, I yelled. What do you mean stuck? Like stuck stuck. I pulled and I pulled, but the web was cemented to my skin. I put my Ninja Turtle bow staff against the wall and pushed hard, vaulting myself out from the web's grasp and ripping my costume and tearing a thin layer of skin from my hand. It was slightly bleeding. I turned to leave and was startled to see a woman standing in the open doorway of the house. Oh, hi. Sorry, I messed up your decorations. The woman stepped out onto the porch. She had fair skin, straight black hair, and was wearing a white dress. She was beautiful. That's okay. I can always make more. Oh, is there no candy left? No, there wasn't, but that's okay. I'm so sorry. If you come back, I'll have more put out for you. No, no, that's fine. I have plenty. 
I absentmindedly rubbed my hand, which stung with a dull burn. Oh, did you hurt yourself? No, I'm fine. She took my hand gracefully and inspected my wound. Her touch was comforting, almost motherly. I felt calm, even though my hand stung. Oh, that looks bad. Let me fix this up for you. Let's go, it's getting late. Daniel yelled from the sidewalk. I pulled my hand back. I gotta go. I jumped the stairs onto the sidewalk back to Daniel and left down the street. I looked back, but the woman was no longer standing on the porch. Daniel and I hopped a fence into a graveyard. We found a spot under a tree and sat down against two tombstones and opened up our bags of candy. We got a good haul this year. It was late, and the graveyard was quiet and eerie. Daniel and I traded candy, each of us looking over each other's shoulders periodically, making sure there weren't any ghosts, ghouls, or zombies ready to pop out and eat us. I'll give you gummy candies for some chocolate bars. Deal. So was she a witch? Who? The woman in the stone house. Oh, no, she was sorry that there was no more candy, and she wanted to help me. Probably just tricking you so she can turn you into a blood stew and eat you. Don't be stupid. We both sat in the ancient graveyard eating our candy like kings. I looked out across the tombstones to see if there were any ghosts, but there weren't. However, there was something. On the other side of the fence, in the fair white dress was the woman from the stone house. She was staring at me, her dress draped to the ground. She looked like a spirit in the night. She then walked away, limping on her right leg. Daniel and I packed up our bounty of candy and went home for the night. The next day, on my way home from school, I decided to go a different way than usual so that I could pass the stone house. I was curious to see what the mansion looked like during the daytime. The stone structure of the estate was very impressive and stood strong against the test of time. More spiderweb decorations were put up all around the porch. At the top of the steps, the wooden stool stood, with the black plastic cauldron now overflowing with different kinds of candy. I climbed the stairs and gawked at the bucket of sweets. The spiderweb decoration still had that strong, musty smell. Just as I reached my hand up to grab some candy, the door to the house opened and the woman walked out, limping. I told you I would get more. Yeah, thanks. My name is Athena. Take as much as you'd like. I opened up my backpack and shoveled candy into my bag. Athena smiled gracefully. She seemed happy to treat me. Could I bother you for a favor? Uh, sure. My leg makes it so hard for me to do the chores around the house. Could you take some trash bags out to the alley for me? Yeah, I can do that. Thank you. As long as it's no trouble. They're just so heavy and I can't carry them. No problem. Athena opened the front door to her large stone house and led me inside. The front hallway was dark. Athena guided me into the main living room, which had the same musty smell as the Halloween decorations outside. The exterior of the mansion matched the inside. All of the floors were stone, and the walls were old hardwood. And all of the furniture was covered in white sheets, and a large picture frame hanging on the wall was also covered in a white sheet. A chandelier hung from the center of the living area. The light that emitted from it was dim and it was covered in spiderwebs, dust, and something moving. Looking closer, I could see it was spiders all throughout the light. Oh, I'm um, having the house redesigned next week. 
I see. I stepped through the living room, looking at all the white sheets covering various pieces of furniture. Each side of the room had a doorway leading somewhere else, but beyond each door, it was very dark. It's a very big house. Yeah, it can be hard getting around it sometimes. Athena stood watching me look around, when suddenly there was a loud thud above us, coming from the second floor. What was that? Oh, please excuse me. Athena limped across the room, then entered the hallway, and for a moment, it looked like she broke into a run. While waiting for her to return, I meandered around the room. One of the doors leading off the main living room was open ajar. My hand pressed against the wood door, and I slowly opened it to peek inside. The room was filled with wood mechanisms, wooden looms with string entwined all throughout. Fabric and textiles hung from the ceilings and draped over hangers. In the corner sat an old spinning wheel with yarn. I approached the large wooden machinery which strung lines of string down like a harp. I reached out and plucked one of them. The string stuck to my finger slightly as I pulled it away. I see you've found my studio. Athena was in the room. I'm sorry, I didn't mean- Oh, that's okay. I don't mind. Because of my leg, it can be hard to leave the house. So I work from home and make custom fabrics for people. I see. Right. Now let me show you where to take the garbage. Athena led me into a dark kitchen. It looked mostly unused, but at the same time, it was very dirty with a thick layer of grime over all the counters and stove. More spiders were living in the corners of the room and inside all of the cupboards. At the back of the room, two large sacks sat at the back door. Not garbage bags, but woven sacks. I'd like you to take these through the yard and to the alley. Uh, sure. I gripped one of the bags, and it was very dense, and heavy with a wet muck that squished around inside. It had a heavy stink. Oh god, what is that? Athena looked embarrassed. Oh, I'm so sorry. One of my freezer in the basement died, and all the contents inside rotted. I'm just not strong enough to carry it. That's okay. I, I got it. I hoisted both bags up and exited the back door into the yard. Athena's garden was overgrown and unkept, but at the same time, very beautiful. A stone walkway matching the stone from the house cut through the grass to the back fence. All around me were statues, corroded away by time and consumed by vines and moss. I hauled the sacks of disgusting juice over my shoulders while ducking under branches bearing large needles scratching the back of my neck. The same webbing from the porch was throughout the yard. Bugs, mice, and birds stuck throughout. I gripped the bags and hurried to the end of the yard. The back iron gate was just as archaic as the rest of the garden, rusted and bent. I dumped the bags onto the ground and the rotten smell wafted back into my face. Oh god. Back at the house, Athena was watching me from the window. Such a sweet woman, living here all by herself. Athena escorted me out of the house onto the porch. Thank you so much for helping me. It really means a lot. Yeah, not a problem at all. If you come back, I could use your help again. There would be lots more candy in it for you. Athena smiled. She was grateful for my help, and even though it was disgusting, I felt compelled to help her again. It was getting late when I was headed home. The crisp fall air felt refreshing, especially after being in that stale house. While walking through a parquet, 
I could see a woman stapling a piece of paper to a large notice board. She was looking over at me, and I could see that it was Daniel's mom, and she was crying. The poster she hung displayed a picture of Daniel. We didn't say anything to each other. It was obvious what had happened. Distraught, she shuffled up the street, stopping at each streetlight to hang another missing poster of her son. Even though kids had been going missing, I never imagined it would be someone I knew. I approached the poster. Missing. Daniel. Last seen leaving school November 1st, wearing his red hat. Worried and scared, I held my trusty Swiss Army knife in my pocket to feel a sense of safety. My best friend. Missing. Only one day after I'd seen him. It was hard to comprehend that someone I knew so close could just vanish. I was sad, but too confused to cry. A couple of days later, I returned back to Athena's house. The huge rock mansion towered up above the surrounding birch trees, the porch still draped in the rotten-smelling string, most of which had fallen to the ground. Inside the front door, I could see Athena watching me, anticipating my return. Thank you for returning. I really appreciate it. Sure, I'm happy to help. Athena walked into the house as I was talking, ignoring what I had to say. I opened the front door and entered the house. All of the furniture in the living room was still covered in the cloth. A thick layer of dust coated all the surfaces. But that wasn't all. A large number of fly carcasses covered the floor, tables, and couches. Athena? I yelled out. The dim light glowing from the dusty chandelier was weaker than last time, lightly flicking in and out of life, and even more spiders covered it. I know that Athena is injured, and it's hard for her to do a lot, but this house is truly morphing into the haunted witch house we all thought it was. Where has she gone? A large frame hung on the wall, like everything else, was covered in a sheet. I grabbed the edge and pulled the cloth off. It was a large mirror, with a beautiful wooden frame hand-carved. What are you doing? Athena stood in the doorway next to me. She looked serious. Her warm demeanor had faded, and a cold presence had taken over. Sorry, I was just looking. I have more bags for you to take out, but they're upstairs. Athena turned and entered into the dark hallway quickly. I approached the hall, and I could see that there was a large staircase. The same string covered the banister and parts of the hallway. The stairs were made of old mahogany, but like the rest of the house were covered in dust, webs, and corroded by time. I ascended the stairs, up, 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 to the second floor where a long hallway ran the length of the house. Athena was standing poised at the end of the hall. The bags are in this room. Here. Athena gestured to the room at her right. Something felt weird, and I no longer felt safe. I cautiously walked down the hall towards Athena. She seemed like she was forcing a smile. I passed a room and glanced inside. Something caught my eye. On the floor was a red baseball cap. Daniel's baseball cap. The one he had been wearing the day he went missing. I looked at Athena, who was no longer smiling. I ran for the stairs, and Athena darted off into a different direction. Step by step, I hurried down the stairs and jumped onto the main floor. Ran down the hall into the living room. Athena was standing at the other side of the room. She must have got another way to cut me off. Where are you going? 
I want to leave. But I have more candy. I don't want it. Athena guarded the exit, standing composed and calm, and that's when I noticed something utterly horrifying. In the reflection of the mirror hanging on the wall, I could see Athena in her true form. Peering through the mirror where Athena stood was a huge eight-legged spider monster, but with Athena's torso. Silky black hair covered the huge abdomen with six legs stretching out and gripping the floor, while her arms were two more spider legs. Athena stepped forwards, no longer with a limp. You children are such easy prey. Her human disguise was beautiful, warm and welcoming, but through the mirror I saw that she was disgusting, evil and dangerous. Athena slowly walked through the room and began to change. Her legs elongated as she arched her spine and threw her head back in a quick jerk and opened her mouth. Sharp fangs erected from the back of her throat and dug away at the skin around her lips and cheeks. Her ribcage cracked forwards, shooting through the skin of her chest, creating organic spikes down the torso, moving like fingers. She tilted her head down and looked at me. The candy I give to you kids really does suit me up. Her forehead started to bulge, popping both her eyes out. I stood in complete shock as dozens of huge, dark eyes burst from her swollen head. She stood before me now, matching her reflection. I must thank you for all your help. Athena crept over to me with her huge arachnid legs. Desperately, I ran away down the hall, hoping to find an exit. Athena scuttled up the wall. I glanced over my shoulder and she was chasing behind me upside down on the ceiling. Blood and chunks of her skin dripped to the floor caused by the flesh still hanging on her body from her previous human form. I reached the end of the hall, but it was an empty room with no exit. Athena grabbed my arms and hoisted me up, then began to spin me around and around. I didn't know which way was up or which way was down. Everything was disorienting. My arms were forced to my sides and my body felt tighter and tighter. I was wrapped in the same rotten webbing on the porch and strewn throughout the house. Athena lifted my body up to face her. You will make a nice treat. Her voice echoed through her fangs, choking from her mouth, constantly moving as her feelers felt my face. You and the rest of those brats. A large spike on her abdomen lunged forwards through the webbing holding me and straight into my gut. Then, blackness. My eyes slowly opened. I was dizzy. Everything was blurry, my body still constricted, and I was hanging upside down. As my eyes adjusted, I could see there were others hanging all around the room. I recognized some of them from the missing posters hanging all around the neighborhood. Next to me was Daniel. He looked drained and gray. Athena quickly tumbled into the room, her body a still disfigured arachnid. She grabbed a kid from across the room and ripped him down then quickly carried him out and down the hall. Spiders crawled all over me as I tried to break free from this webbed cocoon. I could hear Athena in the other room rustling around. I pushed hard to break free from this web, but it was too strong. Then I remembered my trusty Swiss army knife. My arms were to my sides and I could barely move inside this organic shell. I tugged my pants down inch by inch until my pocket met my hand. I reached in and fished out my pocket tool. With one hand, I tried to flip out the knife, but Athena rushed in, 
She circled the room and grabbed another body hanging from the ceiling, then crawled out. I'd better hurry, or the next one she comes for could be me. I managed to get the knife and pierced it hard against the web and ripped through. I slowly cut away until my hand was free enough to cut faster, eventually freeing my entire arm. I quickly cut away the spider sack, nervous with the suspense of Athena creeping back in. Alas, I cut most of the webbing and fell to the floor. I grabbed Daniel and shook him. For only a second, he opened his eyes. <sighs> he is alive. Daniel, I'm going to get help. I'll come back for you. I gripped my knife and leaned out the door and looked down the hallway. The room I was in was located at the very end, and Athena was in the next room over. I stepped out and tiptoed down the hall, peeking around the corner into the next room. I could see Athena weaving more sacks and shoving body parts into them. She didn't even realize I was behind her. I quietly continued down the hall and descended the stairs. On the main floor, I stepped through the living room towards the front door, then entered into the dark front hall. I hurried to the door and ran straight into an elaborate web, blocking my path three feet from the exit. My arms and legs were stuck. I struggled, pushing and pulling, but I could already hear her coming, swiftly running down the stairs and through the house. Leaving so soon? I could really use your help. It'll only take a second. I gave you some candy. Then I woke up. We've all heard a fairy tale story that really resonated with us. The witch in the candy cottage in Hansel and Gretel, the beast living in the castle waiting for his true love in Beauty and the Beast, and Little Red Riding Hood deceived by a wolf in disguise of her grandmother. These stories allow us to create tales of folklore in our own lives, with haunted houses down the street or monsters that roam the woods near your house. To break down my nightmare, I'll start from the beginning. At the beginning of the nightmare, it was Halloween and I was getting ready to meet my friend. Halloween has always been my favorite time of year, and in the cold, brisk night, with everyone trick-or-treating, brings an overwhelming sense of nostalgia and a longing for the season. And each of the costumes I saw are things I still love as an adult, like The Shining, Evil Dead, and Ghostbusters. Dreaming of Halloween can mean that you are disguising yourself to be someone who you aren't, whether it's hiding who you truly are or dressing as who you wish to be. Halloween in a dream can also show that you feel you are a part of a community in your waking life, and how you act is how you view your role in that community. Throughout the neighborhood in the nightmare were missing children posters hung all around the streets, Dreaming of someone missing, in this case, kids, could mean that you feel as though parts of yourself are missing. Given the context of the dream and the nostalgic atmosphere of Halloween, I may feel I am losing parts of my childhood as I get older. Each missing child could be a piece of my own childhood that is missing from my adult life. Aspects of myself I have grown out of that I subconsciously miss. During the nightmare, my friend and I sat in a graveyard and exchanged candy. 
As kids, Daniel and I did used to exchange candy, however, we never sat in a graveyard to do so. Dreaming of a graveyard isn't as dark as you would expect. It can mean that you are leaving something behind, metaphorically putting it in a grave. It could be someone who is negatively impacting your life, or possibly a bad habit you are shedding, or a lifestyle change. In the graveyard, we sat against tombstones. Old tombstones in a dream can project the renewal of a friendship. The stone mansion was the setting for the dreamscape throughout the nightmare. The haunting stone house actually exists in the neighborhood where I grew up. As a kid, it was rumored that a witch lived there, and my parents fueled that belief, telling us the reason why blue flowers grew in front of the house during the winter meant a witch lived there. This was of course fake, but it helped shape my own folklore. As I've said in the past, dreaming of a house or a mansion is connected with your mind and body. Whatever the state of the house is the state of yourself. The attic is your higher self, which holds your beliefs and intuition. The house itself is you, and the condition the house is in and everything in it is a part of you. And the basement is your lower self, which is the subconscious. The stone mansion does exist in real life. However, I've never been inside it, meaning that my subconscious built its own version of what I think the inside might look like. Inside, the mansion was dusty, dark, and everything was covered in white sheets. This could mean that I am hiding parts of myself under the white sheets. It could be that I am acting differently to others because I am scared of how they will see me. Seeing everything covered and under construction in a dream could also mean that you are approaching a change in your life that is good, but doesn't appear to be good. The stone mansion had many hallways and dark rooms. These could be parts of myself I am unaware of and have yet to explore. In this stone mansion lived a monster. A monster with a deceiving soft exterior and a horrific interior. This monster is called a Jodogomo. A Jodogomo is a type of Japanese ghost or yokai that appears to be a beautiful fair woman. She uses her beauty and her cunning to lure unsuspecting men away to her dwelling where she sheds her human form, ripping away at her skin with arachnid limbs, revealing herself as a half-human, half-spider. Their upper torso is human with large spider limbs for arms, their face stripped away of all beauty and replaced with fangs and insect eyes. The abdomen is that of a large spider, hairy with six more legs crawling out in each direction, a large venomous stinger located at the back, ready to poison their victims. There are legends of the Jodogomo living in parts of Japan inside waterfalls, snatching up strangers to the area, or drunkards who venture too close to their dwelling. Other tales say that the Jodogomo sees a man she adores, and strings them up with her webbing, and pulls them into the forest. And the townspeople are only able to find the corpse days later, or pieces of the corpse. Jodogomo are also able to command and control spiders, gathering them in masses to attack someone. To see a spider in a dream could mean that you are feeling threatened in your relationship. As female black widows eat their mate, 
you may feel threatened. Additionally, it could also be linked to a primitive state of mind brought on by your id, or lower self, asking will you eat or be eaten by this person or situation. In the nightmare, I was strung up by webbing, unable to move, waiting for the Jorogomo to come and choose me for her next meal. Seeing a web in a dream or getting caught in a web may indicate that you feel you are trapped in a situation in your waking life. Additionally, seeing cobwebs where they shouldn't be, like in the house, on furniture, and the stairwell, means that there is difficulty in secretly hostile competition. As we get older, we find that we lose a lot of who we were as kids. But it's important not to forget. It can be easy getting caught up in the adult life. But what's the point if you aren't having fun? Maybe we should all play Lego once in a while, or dress up for Halloween. Just because we aren't a child doesn't mean we can't do childish things. As for the Rock Mansion, I still believe there is a witch who lives there. The legend lives on in my own mind that she is waiting for kids to come and take her candy. This episode was written by me, Charlie Conlon, with voice acting by Daniel Jaworski, Divya Jadeja, and Liz Conlon. I can't believe this podcast is one years old. I hope you've been enjoying these scary stories from my disturbing mind. I want to thank everyone for all your support. And because of your support, Knowing My Nightmares will continue to create new scary stories and grow. Rate and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow me at KMN Podcast on Twitter and Instagram for all things nightmarish. And if you like the podcast, let me know. Leave a review. It really helps the podcast grow. And remember, if things get too scary, you can always wake up.